This week we're mostly recorded at Serials in the wake of that general election result and in the week a new DEFRA secretary was appointed. I'm quite excited by working uh, with Michael Gove. Uh, I think you will know where he stands. I think you'll know where he agrees with us and where he doesn't. I would say that it's possibly something that might mean the rural economy gets a slightly better deal. The future of glyphosate was also on the agenda and a possible pre-harvest ban on using them. Farming did survive without glyphosate before glyphosate was invented. We need to start thinking a little bit more about how important science is and how little hysteria helps the debate. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Hello. We will, of course, have the uh, usual grain and agronomy plus detailed weather later in the programme. But here at Cereals, as I record this, it's day one in the brilliant sunshine. Lots of visitors uh, already here. Uh, among them, Guy Smith. He's vice president of the NFU. And, of course, uh, being Wednesday, it's less than a week since that uh, general election result. Uh, hung Parliament. What does that mean for agriculture? Uh, maybe some of the dust is starting to settle, but it still looks a bit foggy out there. You suspect maybe that the, the press are keen on a story about a government on a, on a precipice or an extremely thin ice. Uh, and, you know, for a lobbyist in the NFU, that makes life difficult because, you know, where do you establish dialogue? But I think we've got to accept that uh, this government maybe have a little bit more staying power than some people instinctively think they have. Uh, we have a very interesting new Secretary of State of DEFRA uh, who comes with a little bit of baggage in terms of personality uh, and CV. But I'm quite excited by working uh, with Michael Gove. Uh, I think you will know where he stands. I think he'll know where he agrees with us and where he doesn't. Uh, and that always helps. Uh, I think he's high profile and I think that will give our industry a bit of profile which again is good uh, and I think he will be listened to around the cabinet table which is going to be really important so uh, you know Michael Gove it used to, uh, a, a quick intake of breath when we heard that but on reflection uh, I think this has got far more positives than it's got negatives. I know uh, Murik spoke with Mr Gove yesterday uh, was it a positive message coming from that meeting? I, I think it was more a quick introduction uh, and he was it was good to see Michael Gove name the NFU as the first organisation he wants to see uh, myself and Marag are meeting him at the three county show in Melbourne on Friday uh, but obviously you know my president Marag um, he wouldn't be so rude as to get straight into the knotty issues uh, without saying the introductions politely first but I'm sure we will get into some tough issues uh, about Badger Cull uh, uh, about the future uh, of Brexit and our future trade relations with the European Union and other countries around the world about how we will regulate things like pesticides, a very key uh, issue for us here today at Cereals. Um, so there's lots of tough issues to go through, uh, but we seem to think, you know, he's an open door and he's ready to listen. You're here at Cereals debating um, glyphosate yeah. among, uh, uh, with our own Sean Sparling as well. Yeah. Last year, during the Brexit campaign, Mr Gove was the one saying this isn't a time for experts. Surely with glyphosate, it is a time for experts, isn't it? Well, look, I'm really against trawling through <laughs> Michael Gove's archive. Trying to we'll be here all day if you did. Exactly, but... trying to catch him out and bring some soundbite back to haunt him. Hey, look, that's not the way to, 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 to do business. Um, I think he likes to think he has a reputation as being pro-science, um, and uh, um, I'm sure uh, that he will look to the science uh, across the piece and we are convinced that the science is clean on glyphosate there are no toxicity issues you know one sort of key thing i sometimes hear 
and sometimes from farmers is that maybe we should forego or concede pre-harvest use because at least that will secure use uh, at other times of the year. I'm really not keen on that argument because I think once you took, concede there might be a toxicity issue, which there isn't, uh, then I think it's inevitable you're going to get a total ban here in the longer term. That so. is a fear, isn't it? There could be this re-registering for 10 years, but as you say, it could come with strings attached. Yeah, exactly. And, and look, we always take the line that farmers must be responsible and judicious with all pesticide use, including glyphosate. You shouldn't just be slapping it on, you know, when you're not sure where it's really necessary pre-harvest. But, you know, where you've got cooch infestation or green bits, clearly you need to do it. So I'd say to the farming industry out there, you know, that, and I'm sure they don't do it, but don't develop a sort of a, great, we've kept it, let's carry on using it every available opportunity. Largely because of resistance. You know, we've got to be aware that every time we use a chemical, we might be encouraging resistance, so we should use them as judiciously and as little as possible. Always keen on IPM, other integrated press management ideas where we don't have to use chemicals to control pest weeds and diseases to make sure that when we do turn to agrochemicals, you know, they're in good order and we've got them. Guy Smith there from the NFU. More on that uh, debate on glyphosate in a short while. Well, during the uh, breakfast discussion on the uh, CLA stand on the first day of cereals, Tim Brightmare, who's the uh, deputy president of the Country Landowners Association, also focused in on that election and also the possible concerns over what happens next with Brexit. Well, I'm afraid it was a known goal. I think that's the only thing we can describe it as. Um, And there's no doubt about it. It has driven much greater uncertainty. Um, for the rural economy, certainly in the the short to medium term. Um, And we are going to have to deal with that. Um, uh, As to the exact ramifications, it's very difficult to tell. I think government themselves are trying to work that out at the moment. Uh, I think on balance, I would say that it's possibly something that might be mean the rural economy gets a slightly better deal uh, than perhaps it was going to before. Um, uh, in the very short term, I think agriculture is going to benefit from a uh, sadly weaker pound, um, uh, but uh, the basic payment system this year will obviously be uh, a bit more valuable and uh, perhaps farmers need to look at the exchange rate and decide whether they like that and fix it. Um, but going forward equally, obviously our export market is going to be a little bit more attractive uh, and so that will be good for prices. Because Brexit is a, is a major concern. I know um, your, your president has spoken to the, the new Secretary of State, Michael Gove, uh, briefly uh, yesterday as well. Um, where do you think we're going? Where do you think we're heading with Brexit? Um, I think, uh, I mentioned some of it in a speech that I've just given. Uh, I think on the trade front, I think that we will probably see a softer customs union. Uh, Today's Telegraph doesn't tell me that and tells me the Prime Minister is determined to uh, move forward with the same agenda, but I think the pressures will tell. And I think that will be good for agriculture uh, because I think it will probably give us a mix of markets going forward, uh, but in particular not close off the European market. I think there will be an element of labour coming in, which we desperately need, particularly here in East Anglia. Um, And regulation, uh, I know many people want to lower the bureaucracy and the regulation, but the need to export into Europe is going to mean we have to stay fairly fairly close to European rules. Uh, And then finally on on the policy, um, we've been bought five years of certainty. Uh, The Secretary of State has said that he intends to honour that manifesto commitment. Uh, But he equally says we have to, for a future policy, 
um, produce an economic rationale um, as to why uh, the rural com community needs support, which I think it does, going beyond the five years. Um, uh, but I think that will be support which arrives in a different fashion, probably more targeted investment into businesses, uh, but a direct payment to recognise the value that farmers bring to uh, British society with the countryside as we know it. That's Tim Brightmere. He's the deputy chairman of the Country Landowners Association. Well, one of the subjects up for discussion and very much debate uh, at Cereals this year was glyphosate. And uh, while it may well be extended, a 10-year extension, as we discussed on last week's programme, there is that possibility that it may be banned, certainly pre-harvest. And that was uh, an issue of one debate featuring our very own Sean Sparley. It was quite an interesting debate. I think towards the end, those of us who are opposed to the motion, because the motion was this House believes glyphosate use should be banned pre-harvest. That was the motion. I opposed it with Guy Smith and I was opposing it and Guy was opposing it but the debate from the other side seemed to turn into an organic versus conventional farming debate and that isn't what the whole point of it was I think we got our points across I think we answered questions as well as we could have done and I think the general consensus from the floor, particularly the guy from Australia who stood up and said, uh, you need to understand that organic you know, can't feed the world and conventional, it's not how much food we're producing, it's how bad we are at getting it to the people who desperately need it. And I think, if nothing else, what it will have achieved is that we've got people talking about the fact that actually... The arguments on both sides are valid, but on one side they're slightly more valid than the other, and that is if something is proven by science to be safe, if everything about the legislators and government bodies who are legislating and regulating these chemicals are saying, and bear in mind their only job is to make sure what we eat is safe, if they are saying it is safe, the science is good enough for me. And I think we need to start thinking a little bit more about how important science is and how little hysteria helps the debate. Um, there's no point whatsoever chucking false facts out there just to further your own cause um, and ultimately try and get rid of GMO, because I think that's what this is about. There are far more dangerous chemicals out there, not just in the conventional side, but also in the organic side, which are so much more toxic than anything we're using, and in particular glyphosate. We mentioned caffeine. You know, um, a little perspective needs to be brought in, and if nothing else happens, I hope some of the people um, who were sat in that room who were anti-glyphosate are slightly less so now because there was one chap in there who said I'm against glyphosate pre-harvest but it's the only way I can control potato ground keepers in my crops that just about sums it up doesn't it um, you know it's not do as I uh, say do it's do as I say so I'm happy with the science I hope that debate has opened up some wounds and uh, healed up some other ones <laughs> Sean Sparling there back with his agronomy report a little bit later in the programme that was one side of the debate Liz Bowles is chief executive of the Soil Association she understandably has a different view on the future use of glyphosates farming did survive without glyphosate before glyphosate was invented and I, and I think that the the question saying that actually use has mounted in the past decade because glyphosate has become much cheaper. Once it came off, off label, anybody could make it. And I think it was at that point that we saw the increasing use of glyphosate pre-harvest. Um, and I think, you know, we can manage without it. Yes, we have to find different ways of farming. But I think over time, we will realise that we need to find different ways of farming anyway, as we find out more about the damaging impacts of all agrochemicals on soils. 
more and more consumers do want to buy organic food and they're doing that because they're concerned about primarily the use of pesticides. That is one of the biggest drivers for consumers to want to buy organic food and that is increasing in time when organic food consumption has increased by 7% in the UK over the last 12 months. Across the world there's double digit growth and you know that that is not said to change. So as farmers we we need to respond to that concern amongst consumers and find ways of using less synthetic chemicals. Again, the argument comes back, the choice is already there, isn't it? You can buy organic, or yeah. you don't have to buy organic, is that? Well, yes, but if we know that increasingly the evidence is mounting that there, there are issues with these products, is it fair to say to the rest of the population, you know, just buy stuff that we're not sure about? Um, I, you know, as a consumer, I, I think... I wouldn't want to have to be forced to do that by the fact that I actually can't afford organic or it's not available. Moving away from cereals and uh, on to our weekly updates. In a moment, agronomy with Sean Sparling. But first, the latest from Open Field and Henry Young this week. We uh, touched on the politics earlier. What else has been happening, Henry? This week, uh, we've seen the US uh, wheat rally sharply, obviously with the the spring wheat um, in the Minneapolis markets, again leading the moves across the other markets. Uh, The Chicago market... Uh, it's had an ongoing kind of reports uh, of low protein with the harvest just getting started there. It is starting to call, to raise a few concerns um, over deliverable supplies. So we'll see what it how, what happens there. There was an Egyptian tender last week. There's obviously quite a few going on at the moment. Uh, a few people talking about it. There was actually no direct interest from the US. I guess that is because of that low protein and the worry going forward. Also, the, the shipping values as well. They are going to be coming under pressure. Uh, we have seen actually the Ukraine crops, well, the Ukraine very, very cheap on shipping. So they are really driving that shipping market at the moment. You need to be in there to win it. In other news, uh, the, obviously we've had that USDA report. There's been little change in it. Uh, subsequently, there has been a bit of an increase in the Russian and Ukraine crops with a combination of 2.5 million tonnes added. It's quite an interesting one because there are some very, very dry conditions over there. So when the combines start really rolling, then we'll really see what, what the figures are going to be coming out like. This may just be a bit of talk. Normally, the USDA report in June is a bit of a quiet one. Everyone is quite looking forward to uh, for, to July and what real impact that's going to have. The Ukraine continues again with the dry conditions, as does Australia. Whilst Russia appears to have significant rain at the moment, it could it's also got dry weather. And is it going to be dry when those crops really need to finish off? The crop forecasts in Germany and the UK appear to be improving, uh, with France and um, and Spain also estimating to be lower again. Again, those dry conditions not helping anyone. The UK uh, new crop values. Uh, at the moment, this time of year, it's really no man's land. If you think the price is right, there's nothing wrong with, with actually starting to do a bit at it. Having a look at those values... July at the moment, 142 to 145. Harvest, 134 to 138. November, 136 to 140. May 18, 142 to 144. Again, not bad values at all. Having a look at the feed barley market, there is going to be a lot of barley around at the moment. A lot of people are putting it in as spring crops to get around that black grass. The um, EU forecast continues for steady, warm and dry, at least until the end of June. But the Black Sea does remain cold, colder than normal. So the Baltics remain dry as well. So again, it's all going to be about what happens when those combines start going. I know the crops aren't looking too bad around here. June at the moment is 120 to 123. Harvest is 109 to 111. November 17, 119. 
and May 18, 120 to 123. You can see just from that harvest in November, it is worth carrying if you can. The malting barley market, well, again, it's been quiet. Again, as we said about earlier, with quite a few people actually being at cereals. So there has been a limited domestic interest at the moment, limited uh, with both the grower and the consumer actually kind of coming to the market. There has been some fob interest, uh, but it is weakening off again. The oilseed rate, there has been some pressure on that market with the friendly weather across in the in the um, in the US, but also the weather is looking good here. The crops aren't looking bad driving around the county, so the price is there. June 316 to 319, harvest 293, November 303. Ten pounds carry already, worth holding it if you can. Beans, the old crop bean market is pretty much finished. There are some odds and sods clearing up with some shorts in the market. Some compounders are selling it back into the market and purchasing again, looking to make a bit of profit. But that's because they're trying to use them in the ration as well. Other cheap sources of protein are now being used as well. The crop is looking well with the recent weather, uh, although the recent high temperatures are giving a bit of concern about activating the um, the brookid beetle. So there will be some uh, some interesting ones on there. New crop is still thinly traded with feed worth uh, 155x with November anti-human consumption springs a nominal 15 to 20 pound premium. Henry Young from Open Field. Of course, we heard from Sean Sparling at Cereals earlier debating glyphosate. Let's now get his update on the rest of the world of agronomy, shall we? His weekly report. Hello again, Sean. Yes, good morning, Sean. Before I start the agronomy bit, which will, I promise, be short and sharp, I need to just mention this diabolical, this shameful ruling that we've had from the EU yesterday, which was... Um, we can no longer use any pesticides whatsoever on EFA crops. And that means that hundreds of thousands of acres of pollen-rich flowering plants in peas and beans across the country are going to disappear and be replaced with fallows. Because what farmer in his right mind is going to plant a crop that he can't control bugs, weeds or diseases on it. So he's not going to get any yield. So why would he even bother spending the money buying the seed and drilling it? It is a shameful decision by the EU. They're listening to the wrong people and they're making bad decisions. So not a lot we can do about it, but you really should hang your heads in shame for coming up with that one. Um, so let's start with winter wheat then. T3 is largely finished. Remember what we said. Once flowering is finished and it's been underway for four or five days in a wheat field, you are too late really to control fusarium. What's in is in and you will only now control foliar disease. And also remember when you put your T3 on, that should give you a good three, three and a half weeks at least of fungicide control on the leaves and the foliar and the ear diseases. So once you get to that point in three, three and a half weeks time, we're going to be senescing anyway. So these crops will be harvested in seven or eight weeks. There is absolutely no point or justification in putting a T4 or a T5 on. Um, and also remember, once you get out of the flowering period, you're into grain fill and most fungicides uh, safe cutoff timing has already passed. So make sure you're still legal if you're going to go out and do that. Spring wheat, spring barley, T2's going on at a pace. They look very well. They're clean from top to bottom. Weed control's good. Odd little patch of wild oat needs addressing in a place or two which i've been addressing this week um, but remember the timings for things like axial and cutoff timings for things like uh, fluoroxypa and metsulfuron methyl type materials make sure you're legal with your harvest intervals um, sugar beet nutrient deficiency still quite widespread and as i keep saying correct that with correct the manganese and the magnesium those cheap and cheerful ones and you may well find you help on the other nutrients um, apart from potato blight there is um 
a, quite an increase in aphid numbers we've noticed over the last week or so, but an awfully big increase in ladybird numbers. And for the first time in a few years, quite a lot of hoverflies as well. They're all predate, predating on those aphids. So just think very, very carefully before you go out and put an insecticide on. For goodness, I, for goodness sake, pick one which is safe for the foraging bees. And that goes as well for peas and beans where we're putting fungicides on. A lot of black aphids starting to appear now in little colonies. Um, and brooked beetle out there too and remember on peas you're trying to coat the flowers so that when the flowers fall they don't let in the grey moulds and the botrytis and other diseases mycosphorilla etc so you're trying to get a good overall coating so a fine medium quality spray including insecticide should you need it you can only go once with perimicarb now don't forget that in pulses um, so time it well and if there are bees foraging pick the right products for the job and make sure you go at a time when the bees aren't there so very very early morning or late night is the kindest and safest way of doing it so i would think probably three weeks time we're going to be looking at thinking about desiccating oilseed rape never thought it would happen this quick okay and that's it i i finish i'll see you next week thank you sean sparling a double helping this week from sparling agronomy services it was open farm sunday last sunday of course another highly successful one annabelle shackleton is open farm sunday manager at leaf she's delighted at the response this year absolutely the feedback that we're getting from both farmers and from visitors is just phenomenal quite a few farmers are actually reporting getting double the number of visitors that they've had in previous years and so far our estimates are that we've had over two hundred and fifty thousand, over a quarter of a million people out onto farm that is a staggering number and as i say every year it seems to just grow and grow and grow doesn't it absolutely it does and we're also do a lot of research to actually find out what the impact of Open Farm Sunday is. So I can't comment on this year, but certainly in previous years, it shows that we're really having an impact on helping to change people's perceptions of the industry uh, and encourage them to buy more British food. And certainly it seems to be the case, doesn't it? As you say, more and more people want to go have a look behind the farm gates. They want to see what is going on in those fields and you know they drive past it every day but this is a real opportunity to see what's going on absolutely it is a unique opportunity to actually stand up next door to a to a cow to a sheep to actually touch them to actually see the crops yeah it's it is an amazing unique opportunity and the farmers love sharing what they're so proud of what they're so enthusiastic about and you know farming is is quite a uh, you know it's it's quite a quiet sort of uh, industry and this is the opportunity one day a year farming's annual open Open day for people to actually be able to showcase and share their passion, their, their farm with the public, and they, they love it. I imagine when Leaf first started this, well, over a decade ago now, that you wouldn't have imagined just how successful this would become. No, I know. It's, it, it, it really is phenomenal, but we want it to be even bigger and better, so any farmers that are out there that are listening to this, please do contemplate um, opening for Open Farm Sunday next year, which is the 10th of June. A very happy Annabel Shackleton of Open Farm Sunday. Well, as I mentioned, it was a very hot day at Cereals. And yet again, I forgot my hat and sun cream. <laughs> One year I'll learn. Uh, do we need the sun cream this week, though? The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Well, today seems like uh, another hot and uh, sunny day. Barbecue weather, 25 Celsius the high. The wind from the west at about 7 miles an hour. Overnight tonight, clear skies, staying mild, 15 the low. The wind, more from the north-northeast, between 5 and 10 miles an hour. And then tomorrow, some sunshine, but it does look like a wet start to the week. Some uh, welcome rain, I'm sure, out there on the land. Maybe some thunderstorms as well come late afternoon. 25 Celsius the high, still muggy, with the uh, wind from the south-southwest at about 5 miles an hour. 
Drier and uh, clearer skies overnight, Monday into Tuesday. 14 the low, the wind from the north, 10, perhaps gusting at 25 miles an hour. And then uh, another cloudy day to start with, but then sunshine by the afternoon, 17 Celsius, so a little cooler for Tuesday, and the wind from the east-northeast at 15 miles an hour. Clear skies overnight Tuesday into Wednesday, pushing temperatures down. We're looking at about 9 Celsius uh, as the overnight low. The wind from the east-northeast, 5 miles an hour. And then Wednesday itself, patchy clouds, some sunny spells, highs of 18, and the wind continuing from the east at about 7 miles an hour. For the latter end of the week, some more sunshine to come, but then it may turn a little wetter, but it will be getting warmer once again. 23 the high come the end of the week by the looks of things at the moment, with lows overnight of 12 to 15 Celsius. And that's the forecast. It's the Lincolnshire Show this coming week, Wednesday and Thursday. Jane Southall is CEO at the showground. We try uh, and keep it vibrant, but also to keep it a traditional agricultural show. I always say it's a great agricultural show, but it's also showcasing what's great about Lincolnshire. You know, in the food court, we have the local chefs from local restaurants. They're not only showcasing local produce, but they're also promoting that, you know, we've got such talent here in Lincolnshire. Talk us through some of the uh, the, the attractions. Um, man and uh, Machine in Motion is something new this year. Yeah, that's new this year. It's more in line. We've had the vintage tractor displays in the past, and we still do have vintage machinery here, but we thought we'd just showcase modern machinery and the technology behind it because these days people, you know, you can drive a, a tractor by satellite, can't you? So it's just showcasing, really, how things have changed. Yeah, and again, that's part of the show's remit, really, I guess, isn't it, is to show just what is happening in agriculture today and how rapid the changes have been. Yeah, I mean, the changes are quite, you know, and people think that a farmer sits on a tractor and he goes up and down all day. Well, actually, that doesn't really happen anymore now. And then the technology, and they're also looking for younger people to come into the industry because of the skills that are now required. But it's still also great to see the old vintage tractors and vintage machinery. I mean, there's a lot of history, isn't there, really? Jane Southall, looking ahead to this week's Lincolnshire Show. We'll be again broadcasting from the showground with our special Lincolnshire Show radio from Tuesday. It's a bit like the farming programme, but with music, and it's three days long. Uh, If you're attending the show, do please listen in. We'll be on 87.7 FM and on DAB Digital Radio as you approach the showground from Tuesday. And of course, we'll have highlights from the show itself as well on next week's programme. Until then, have a good week's farming.